time to dream big. Yes. Yes. You've got to give yourself permission to dream big. You don't have to you don't have to downplay your dream because you somehow think God can't do it. Listen, you don't have to downplay your dream because you don't think you're talented enough. God knew that when he gave you the idea. You, you, God knew what your talent level was, but he already knew how he was going to do it. I tell people all the time, and I tell my, we say this to our kids all the time, and I think people need to say it to themselves more all the time. And here it is. If God doesn't help me, I'm going to fail anyway. I don't care what degree you have. I don't care what school you went to. I don't care what your pedigree is. I don't care how much money you got. Tomorrow, if God don't help you, you're sunk. And when you begin to understand that, you don't have to worry about your talents, your abilities, your qualifications, because you know it ain't you no way. It's all about God. So what is this hope? It is a feeling that we have. It's an expectation for a desire for a certain thing to happen. That's different than a wish. This is an expectation. A wish has no expectation attached to it. I give you, I give you, I, 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 I give you an example. I wish I had a private plane. Now, here's what I mean. If I don't ever get one, I'm cool. The, the reality of it is, is that I, I, I don't. I, I probably won't want to, you know, do all the flying around that much anyway. I, I'm kind of a homebody, so, so the idea of a private plane is kind of cool. But you know, when I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of Type A personality. I got to talk to the pilots. You got to have flight plans. You got to talk to them about that. I mean, and I just, you know, I'm like, I don't want to. I just drive. That's a wish. A hope is a Panamera Porsche. I'm, I'm a. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm, she's going to buy it. But, but, but a hope is a feeling of expectation. Every time she say, hey, I got you something, I say, is it a Panamera Porsche? <laughs> I don't care if it's a little box. How did, is it a Panamera Porsche? What did you get in that? How did you get that Porsche in there? <laughs> a plane is a wish. My Panamera Porsche, four-door, blue, navy. Peanut butter and tears. That is an expectation. And a desire for a certain thing. Hopeful. When folks be like, I just want to live a good life. What does that look like? You wish it until you can articulate what a good life looks like. So when we start talking about hope in 2018, I'm going to need some specifics from you. I'm going to need you to say to me, Pastor, I'm believing for, and I need you to rattle off some stuff. I'm believing my student loans are paid. I'm believing my house is paid off. I'm believing I got a college fund. I'm believing I take four vacations a year. I'm believing that I need to hear some stuff. I believe my marriage is going to get better. What does that look like? Okay, Pat, I believe we're going to have 16 good days and 14 bad days. Because for some people... That's where we started. Can we have 16 good days instead of 30 bad days? And then we went from 16 good days and 14 bad days to 21 good days and 8 bad days. And then we went from 29 and 2. Now we got two months in, in, in one day. An hour. 
whenever she's not doing right. <laughs> but you got to work yourself to what you desire. You got to know what it is that you want. If you go through life just saying, oh, I just want things to get better, what does better look like? He says he's going to give us joy and peace that's going to cause our hope, our feeling of expectation, our feeling of desire for a certain thing to happen in our lives. Listen, at the end of the day, we cannot predict what life is going to bring to us. What we can predict is how we're going to respond, though. You can listen, life will sucker punch you. If you've never been sucker punched, just keep living. But life will sucker punch you. It will do something will happen that no. And listen, it ain't based on how saved you are. I had to walk a good friend of mine uh, through, through a divorce one time, and he just kept on talking about it, kept on talking about how he had done everything right. And he actually had done everything right. And I said to him, doing everything right is no guarantee that life ain't going to knock you out. The difference is those of us who believe God, we get up after we get knocked out. Sometimes somebody got posted water on you. Sometimes they have to give you some, some, some smell of salt to wake you up. But if you are a believer, you're going to get up. And so the Bible says that, that, that you and I, we, we, we have to understand that, and I hate, because the church paints this picture sometimes that makes people think, if you just come to Jesus, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right, but everything ain't going to be easy. And I think that's the difference. Understand, we can count, the one thing that we can count on is that we are loved by God. You and I have a heavenly father who will never leave us and never forsake us. I was, I was preparing uh, this message. Uh, I think it was, it was before the week of, uh, I guess it was the end of November, uh, sometime around, I know we, we, the 19th you had the accident. So maybe it was December 3rd. And I was working through some things. And as I was preparing, uh, the Lord said something to me. And I wrote it down. And I don't always write things down, but I wrote it down. Uh, and it, be, it became so significant later because of what the Lord said about this year. This is our year of great victory. Yes. This, I said this is our year of great victory. The Lord said to me, he said, you always talk about all the things that happened so suddenly when you were at Abundant Life, Christ, Abundant Life Church International, ALCI and ALCF. He said, why don't you start teaching like that again? And I thought about it. I thought, you know what? The, the, the issue is, is that when we were when, when we were ALCI, we taught word with, with, without this idea of, of, of it having to even really make a whole lot of sense to your intellect. We just said what the Lord said. And I give you an example. I was, I was, I was twenty, and, I, and I'll read this. In a I was twenty. I remember I was twenty-eight years old. I turned twenty-eight in, on January first of that year. I, I got my doctorate degree that May, and I remember telling the Lord, I said, I want to make hundred thousand dollars a year before I'm thirty. And 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 I just it was one of those things. I was like, I want to make. Charity Smith had already done the whole thing, where she talked, talk, you know, had been like, you know, you got to make at least your age, twice your age if you're good. If you're talented at your job, you got to make three times. She had already done all that. And so I'm 28 years old. And I said, Lord, I want to make hundred thousand dollars before I'm 30. And here's what the Lord said to me. He said, then start tithing like it. Now, 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 that's what he said to me. I ain't telling you to do that. I'm saying that during that time in my life, the Lord used to say radical things to me, and I got radical results. So for 18 months, I paid my tithe and offering as though I made $100,000 a year when I made 65. Come on now. Come on, and in 18 months, 
August the 1st, I signed the first contract I ever signed for $100,000. Now, why did that happen? Because I was crazy enough to just believe God. When I told people that, some people were like, man, I wouldn't be doing that. That's crazy. Giving it to your man. You ain't even making no 100000 But I was making 100000 because I started making it when I asked God for it. I didn't start making it in August when I signed that first contract. When I said, Lord, I want to make $100,000 before I'm 30, he said, tithe like it. When I said, okay, it was done. That was a contractual obligation. I did my part. He always going to do his. This is your year of great victory. A year filled with hope and promise. But I'm telling you right now, on the first Sunday of this year, God is going to ask you to do some radical yeah. things this year. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, neighbor. when God, when God starts, to you, starts to stretch you, you can't, you can't. Punk, out. punk out. You can't. You can't. Because he's going to ask you to do some stuff that's beyond what you would thought he would ask you to do. Because what he's trying to do, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, he's going to transition us from this thing I call obedient faith to this thing called creative faith. See, obedient faith works like this. Obedient, I'm getting, I'll come back to it. Let me, let me read this. I don't, I don't, let me read this. Here's what the Lord said, and I just wrote it down just like he said it. Caleb, if you go to the part where it says a word from the Lord, I put it up there. It says, a breakthrough has been made available for you. Now, he was talking to me, but I believe since we all connected, he's talking to you too. He says, a breakthrough has been made available for you. He says, I just want you to rejoice at what you see with your eyes of faith instead of looking at what you see with your natural eyes. He said, do this, and then you will see how I have already ordered heaven to get involved. He says, then and only then will what you see with your eyes of faith becomes something that you can see with your natural eyes. Now, that, that's what he said to me. He said, you have these dreams and these desires. He said, but you won't go after them because you're afraid if you do and they don't come to pass, what that's going to do to your ego. He said, but if you lay down your ego and if you will just see things with your eyes of faith, he says, I guarantee you that you will see the reality and the manifestation of what you're believing God for. Yes. Why? Because a breakthrough has already been made available. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. My, breakthrough my breakthrough is already, already here. here. I wish I had three folks to give God some praise for that. Listen. I'm telling you, he says, your breakthrough has already been made available. He says, what I got to do is I got to get you to stop seeing things with your natural eyes and see them with your spiritual eyes. But the only way I get you to do that is I got to get you to do something radical because you don't do radical things with your natural eyes. You do not do. He said, you want to know why you had so much, so much success back then? Listen, I, I, I told Pastor and here's what happens when you get your eyes off of what God did. And, 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 I, and I have grown and I can, I can articulate and, and, and accept responsibility and the mistakes that I've made in my life. Here's what I, when we were abundant life, Christian fellowship, we didn't have as many people probably in that church as we do right now. 
And most of them were college students. Most of them were. In our biggest giving year, the biggest year we had the most miracles happen and the most giving in the church was the year we had less people than we have now and college kids. Why? Because everybody just believed God. So they were college students living on financial aid and having everything given to them. We were having people who didn't even live in the state of Arkansas sending us checks in. We were producing a magazine. We were on the radio. We was doing all this stuff. Why? Because God said do it and we was just dumb enough to do it. But sometimes you get so smart. You, you, God bless you, you with a little more. Watch this. Now you got more to lose. <laughs> See, when you ain't got nothing, you're like, I trust you, God. <laughs> Whatever you want, Lord. <laughs> but when you got a mortgage and two cars, you got a 401k, you got a savings account, you got stock here and there, you got all these things, and the Lord said, I want some of that. You're like, oh, Lord, I don't know if I can do all that. Because what if I lose it all? Because what if I lose it all? But you didn't have any concern when you didn't have nothing. So the question becomes, are you trusting God or the stuff? I'm just preaching about me. I'm just, I ain't even talking to y'all. I'm just preaching about me. Because the truth of the matter is, when you didn't have nothing, you trusted God with everything. Because in your mind, you didn't have nothing. But it was because you trusted God with everything that you didn't have nothing that you actually got something. And now you got a little something. You don't want to trust God. You're trusting the stuff. And you wonder why you can't go any further than you are. Because you stuck with the stuff. I believe that this is an hour where the Lord is manifesting his glory upon the earth. I believe that everything that happened for us in 2017 has set the stage for you and I to be called to this place of radical faith. A faith that is released for the miraculous. Pastor Sean, we didn't even talk about this part. She started talking about uh, how she was going to teach in the offering today about how to release your seed. The Lord actually chastised me. He said, you don't teach about, he says, you don't teach people about releasing their seed because you are afraid of what they're going to say about you. He says, you don't teach people. He said, I anointed you. I gifted you to teach people how to give and receive. He said, but you won't teach it because you're afraid that somehow those people are going to think you want something from them. He said, and because of that, you are denying them the opportunity to receive what I have for them. So in 2018, I'm going to teach you about it whether you get offended or not. I'm going to teach you about giving because you don't get what you're believing God for with your spiritual eyes without seed attached to it. Everything ain't a gimmick. Can I say that again? Everything is not a gimmick. I know that some pastors have misused it. I know that they have abused people, but teachers have abused kids, but I still send my kids to school. Doctors have taken advantage of patients, but if I get sick, I'm going to see the doctor. Lawyers have stolen money from people that they were supposed to be helping, but if I'm in trouble, I'm going to call a lawyer. Church folk don't hurt other church folk, but I ain't going to stop coming to church. So I'm telling you, this year is a year of great victory, and it's going to start because we're going to start teaching the kind of things you need in order to get to the next level. 
It's wrong. Listen, I ain't never stopped giving. I ain't, in fact, I track my giving. If I find out at the three-quarter, I probably get on Tamra nerves sometime. But if I get at the three-quarter mark and I haven't beat what I gave last year, I'm looking for a special seed to sow. Because what's not going to happen is I'm not going to end up having, being blessed more each year and giving less. Why? Because I only got blessed because of my giving. Yeah. And people don't want to hear that, but I'm telling you, here's how it works. You get blessed because, and it's not even about giving, because you can't just be randomly giving things. I'm talking about obeying God. I told you one of the, one of the things that blew my mind, I was going to give $200 an offer one time, the Lord said get $20. I said, that can't be God. That can't be God. I'm going to get $200. I'm going to get $200. The Lord said, give $20. I said, it just can't be God. There's no way that can be God. But you know what? I obeyed God. I gave $20. And before I left church, it was an opportunity to sow into somebody's life $180. See, sometimes you know the right thing to do, but you ain't always got to do it your way. And sometimes for us, we get in our minds, this is how I'm going to do it. And we don't even care what God say. We're just going to do it a certain way. And God said in 2018, in order for you to receive this victory, I need you to be sensitive to what I'm telling you to do. So I know you don't like getting up early on Sundays. We don't either. I'm usually here before all y'all. We're setting up so that you can have the experience. What? I don't be like, well, you know what, Lord? I'm going to show when they show up. No, because the Lord said, here's your assignment. Here's what I need you to do right now. And so you do it with joy. Now, he's called you to fellowship with champions, so you say. So if you have been called here, because we didn't tell you you was called. We opened the door and said, and said come on. But you said you was called. So if you say you was called and we say to you, we have church at 930, guess where you ought to be at 930? And I knew I had lost something because anybody who's been with me for a long time can tell you what used to happen when you didn't show up at church on time. Now, not that I was, well, I was rude, but that's beside the point. That's, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't, that wasn't, I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to, because I was rude, but I didn't want to lie about it. So I'm not going to be rude, but I'm not going to stop talking to you about it. Come on. Amen. Because if you can't be obedient over the small things, you fool yourself in thinking God's going to do something great for you. Listen, don't nobody show up late but poor people. Come on, Come on. Well, I got plenty of money. Poor ain't just about money. Bishop Jake said this yesterday, and I thought it was so wonderful because I've always believed it. Here's what he said. He said yesterday he was teaching at at, uh, First Baptist Church of Glendarden in Maryland, and here's what he said. He said, time is the most precious thing to everybody. You know why? Because you can't make no more of it. In fact, I love this demonstration. He said, somebody stop time right now. You you trying to, but they can keep on going. And you know what? You can't get it back. So if you'll waste your own time and you'll waste somebody else's time, what kind of poor thinking is that? So you can't be talking about, Lord, I want you to bless me with wealth, and you can't even show up to church on time. 
You, you can make it to work five days a week at 745, 8 o'clock, and you can't make it to church at 930? Well, what's the big deal about being on time? Because you can't get what you are believing for when you don't have character. And being on time is a character issue. It's a character issue. You want to waste time, but you don't want somebody to waste your time. In fact, you want God to show up. But you late. What if God showed up for you the way you show up for confessions? Now, this is the kind of conversation we used to have at ALCF all the time. So the truth of the matter is what we got to do is we got to go home and we got to say, you know what? I got 51 weeks until December the 30th. Every time I'm at church, I'm going to be on time. And I ain't going to be late and then skip church. If I get up late, I'm going to still come and just take the whooping. I'm just going to take the whooping. Listen. I have a rule. If I'm late for a meeting, I don't skip the meeting. Right. And I, I, I still show up, and if I'm late, I'll be like, my bad, my bad, my bad. My bad. <laughs> and then I take a bunch of notes. <laughs> so if you show up here late, I better see a notebook. I better see a pen. I better see some paper. I better see a whole bunch of stuff. Because I told you I used to be rude. <laughs> I ain't rude no more. We done did a whole thing on love. But I used to be rude. And folk would come to church late. They'd be sitting and I'd be like, did you miss the first part? Do you need me to go over there with you? Because this was important. I've been preaching 20 minutes and you just walked in. And there's no way you can be blessed if you miss all of that I've done. Now, it's not really fair for me to have to go back and repeat all of this. Because everybody else was on time. Now, I ain't rude no more. So now when you come in, I'm going to be like this. I want you to know that I know that I see you. Listen, I'm telling you, God has already made available an anointing for miracles to happen in this place. Say your neighbor, say, I receive the anointing of miracles. I'm telling you, God has made it available. And I am desiring that your eyes will be open to the reality that you will start seeing God as creator. Say, God is a creator. Why is that important? Because in order for you and I to experience the creative power of God in our lives, it's important to begin to see God as a creator. Pull up Genesis 1 and 1. I think it's the next one. In Genesis 1 and 1, it tells us, it says, in the beginning, God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. Now, notice this. Let's walk through this for a moment. In the beginning, God started off as what? Creator. He started off as a creator. He starts off as a creator. He sends Jesus to the earth. So if God is creator, Jesus is. That's how he was able to take the fish and five loaves and feed 5,000 people because he was a creator. 
Now, the Bible says that he then dies for us, and he says to you and I, if you be in me and I in you, you can ask what you will. So if God was a creator and Jesus was a creator, then guess what that makes me? So now he says, here's how you're going to create. You're going to believe in your heart and say with your mouth. That's how we build our lives. Not because we got some degree, not because we got some special job, not because we live in this great corner of the state, but because our father is a creator and creativity is in our DNA. Don't tell me you got a problem you can't solve it no more. You ought to take I don't know, I can't out of your vocabulary. Creators don't say that kind of stuff. God, the Bible says God looked out and it was dark. He didn't just be like, dang, it's dark out here. No, no, no. He said, you know what? Let there be. The Bible says, and there was. Let my bank account be overflowing. Let my health be overflowing. Let my kids be overflowing. Let my church be overflowing. Let my friends be overflowing. Everything we touch, God, you bless it. Why? Because I'm a creator. Because I'm a creator. If I don't like my life, I speak something and change it. But you got to get to that mentality. He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, notice the Hebrew word here for God, if you go back and look at this, is the word Elohim. It's the word Elohim. Elohim means one with strength or one with the power to create. It says Elohim. Elohim has the power to create. Here it is, Elohim. One with strength or power to create. So if, if we're serving a living God and you and I need something, we just have to tap into what we already have. My father's name was James Strickland. And I uh, look like him a lot. And so when I was little, they used to call him Big Strick. And one of the names they had for me was Little Strick. The other one was Trouble, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> they called him Big Strick and Little Strick. And I used to always think that that had to do with how we looked. But as, we got, as I got older, my wife said I still look like him. I think I look a little different. I probably look more like my uncle, actually, than my father probably now. But I realized the reason that they did that was because the people who knew my dad when I was that age saw how he behaved and how he acted. So it's not like he taught me that. He didn't sit me down and say, here's how to be bad. Right. <laughs> In fact, they were trying to do the opposite. But I didn't have to have anybody to teach me something that was inherently mine. The Bible says you are born again. That means that your mother gave birth to you, but at some point in time there was a spiritual birth, a rebirth that took place in you. There are some things you don't even have to learn. They just come from your father. God oozes with creativity. In fact, God is so creative, he has to be careful about what he says because if he says something that's not true, once he says it, it becomes true. Uh -huh. 
So if that works for God, then it works for you. So you got to be careful about what you say, because if you say something that's not true, I'm broke as soon as I get paid. It will become if you say something that's not true, everybody getting this bad flu. That's not true, it becomes true when you say it. So in this year of great victory, you got to be careful about what you say. Because you, because you are, Pastor said it, the sum total, watch this, not only of your most dominant faults, but your most dominant words. Yes. Take your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. what I say? Matters. matters. Listen, in the past, whenever we have talked about faith, we more oftentimes than not speak of what I refer to as a first level of faith. This first level or this first dimension of faith is what I call obedient faith or sacrificial faith. It's the type of faith that is employed when God asks us to give of something that we do, in fact, already have. There are times God will ask you to do something that you have the means to do at the moment that he asks you. Yes. Whose drink is that? I don't drink that, but if I did, and I said, Tamara, can I have some of this? And she said, sure, Dad, you can have some of this. And I drank some of this. It took faith for her to give it to me. Why? Because it's hers. Even if I ask for it, she still has to hear God about whether I can have it or not. If she gives this to me and I drink it and I give it back, that's still an, oper- it's still an act of faith, but that is obedient faith. She's giving. It's like if the Lord says, hey, I, if somebody says, hey, can you give me a ride to work? And you're like, man, I don't feel like I like to ride to work by myself. <laughs> oh, don't act like I'm the only one. Don't act. My, I, my, me and my wife, we love spending time together. But sometimes she'll know. She'll be like, you want me to ride to the store with you? And I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> and she'll be like, all right, sure, you need some alone time. Go ahead and go. I'll be like, I'll be right back. You need anything? <laughs> Because sometimes in Walmart ruins our life. Oh, yes. Everybody need a, 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 a she, just go to Walmart, walk in, get you some stuff, come on back out in the car by yourself, just listen to your, whatever you listen to and go on back home. Everybody needs some time like that. Right. So when the Lord says to you, hey, I need you for the next 30 days to drive west to pick them up so y'all can both go east. You're like, Lord, I live east. <laughs> Can they not Uber to my house? <laughs> oh, come on. I know I ain't the only one. People are like, can they get somebody to bring them over here and they can just ride with me? No. The Lord says, I want you to go west so that you can pick them up and I want you to go east. That means you got to get up earlier. That means you got to warm your car up earlier. That means you got to drive against the floor of traffic. You got to drive back to the floor of traffic to get where you started, then go to work. He says, and don't ask him for no gas money. But, Lord, they offer it. Say no. You already have the means to do it, but it still takes faith to do it. That's obedient faith. That's a level of faith, which is cool, but that ain't going to get you the miraculous. See, sometimes we wonder why God hadn't done something great in our life. And all you've ever been doing is the obedient stuff. You've been doing the stuff that you had the ability to do. He ain't stretched you. He didn't say, hey, I want you to go buy a car and give it to them so they have a way to work. That ain't what he said. He said, use what you have, go pick them up, and take them to work. That is an obedient kind of faith. 
But in 2018, God is taking us somewhere else. He's taking us to this place called creative faith. It is where God will ask you to do something when you do not have the means to do it. What do you mean God's going to ask me to do something and I don't have the means to do it? He does it all the time. Because this level of faith, this creative level of faith, is what causes full manifestation to come into your life. You think back about everything miraculous that happened to you. When God told you to do it, you more than likely did not have the means to do it when you said yes. You didn't have the means to say it, to do it. I mean, the first time the Lord ever told us to give $1,000, we didn't have $1,000. We had 100 And we figured we can give 100 ten times. Sometimes you don't need finish. You don't need finishing grace until you start. And sometimes God will ask you to do something that's so big it takes you out of your comfort zone, and you don't even have a reason for how it can get done. But you say yes, and the moment you say yes, God begins to send resources to get it done. But it never begins until you say yes. It's creative faith. And although this level of faith is also birthed through acts of obedience, it goes beyond simple obedience. Yes, you have to obey God in every situation. But I'm telling you, there is a blessing that is attached to when you employ creative faith. Creative faith is when God challenges us to believe in that which we cannot see. To give out of that which we do not yet have, to confess for that which there is no tangible substance for, and to believe for that which he has spoken of, even when there is no logic to exist to make it so. God, how am I going to do that? God says, I want you to ask me to double your salary in the next six months. God, how am I going to do that? I don't even know no child to do that. You don't even know my field. I remember when I got into education, everybody told me, you can't raise no family be no teacher. <laughs> and the more kids I had, they said, you sure can't raise no family. <laughs> With all them kids. <laughs> and you know, if, if somebody got two kids and somebody else got three, they say all them. Yep. <laughs> if you got four and they got five, they say all them. <laughs> so anytime they got, you got more kids than them, it's all them kids. Because <laughs> you can't raise no family on all them kids being no teacher. Teachers don't make no money, but I knew the Lord called me to education. So the question became, Lord, how do I take care of my family if their education is my field? He said, make $100,000 before you're 30. How? Ask me. So I said, okay, Lord, how am I going to do it? He said, ask me for a job that lets you travel, supervise people, and you don't have to be in a school. Ain't no job like that exists. I didn't tell you to ask me that. I said, ask me for a job that you get to travel, pays you $100,000 a year before you're 30, and make sure when you ask me that you ask me for the job before you turn 30. Okay, Lord, I want a job. You know you don't ask him for you. Like, I want a job. <laughs> but see, the Lord can handle your stuff. He just needs you to ask. He ain't tripping about it. It's like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Sometimes you just got to be, sometimes you just have to ask even when the unbelief is still there. Okay, Lord, I want a job where I get to travel, make $100,000 a year. I don't have to be in the school. I want it before I'm 30. That's cool. 
He says, now look for it. Look for where? Look for it. Search for it. Find it. So I started searching. I started looking at these jobs, and I come across a company, a new company that had only ever existed in Washington, D.C. And the first place they were going to expand was Arkansas. <laughs> that don't even make no sense. That just don't make no sense at all. You go live in a metropolitan area and come to Arkansas. Because that's how they said it, Arkansas. Arkansas. And when they try to be dignified, they say Arkansas. That's even worse. So I go and I, I have to drive to Jackson, Mississippi to interview for the job. I'm like, y'all didn't got no, why, why are we in Jackson? Because the lady was visiting somebody in Jackson, that's when they could do the interview. So I drive to Jackson, Mississippi, interview for a job, get the job. Form 30, $100,000 a year with a company that didn't even exist in Arkansas before I asked for it. Why? Because when you ask God to do something and God asks you to ask him something that seems bonkers, just ask him. Just ask Then they would say, neighbor, in 2018, I refuse to be afraid to ask God for the things that he tells me to ask for. That's right. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask. Listen, what is creative faith? Creative faith is obedient faith that has gone to the next level. That's what it is. Creative faith is obedient faith that's gone to the next level. See, obedient faith is obeying God out of that which is already apparent and available. But this creative faith we're talking about this morning, we're talking about it, it operates without knowing how God will bring it to pass. His miraculous interventions in our lives happen when we trust him when we don't have a safety net. The biggest thing, you go through the Bible, look at every miraculous thing that happened. The people who trusted God didn't have a safety net. The very first person I want to talk about is Noah. Let's look at Noah. Noah didn't have a safety net. Let's look at Hebrews 11 and 7. Notice what it says. It says, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things what? Not yet seen. The Lord told him about something that nobody had ever seen before. Things not even in existence, never had been in existence. It says he moved with godly fear. Now that word godly fear is not fear and trembling. It's a reverence. It's a respect. That's even a better word. It's a respect. It says, by faith, Noah got a word from God that something was going to happen and ain't nobody never seen before. It says, and based on that, he got up and did what the Lord told him to do. Sometimes with us, the Lord will tell us to do something. If we ain't never seen it and we ain't never heard it, we'd be like, well, that can't be God. He says, no, he moved with godly fear. And in doing so, he prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith, according to a conviction born out of what? Hearing. I want you to get this. A conviction born out of hearing. Not a conviction born out of seeing. It said Noah saved his family. He became an heir of righteousness, 
Because he heard God and got convicted enough to act. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you about 2018 that has convicted you enough that you're willing to act on it? When we talk about this being your great year of victory, I'm challenging you to go home and write down some things you expect. Because remember, that's what hope is, not wishes, but hope. What are you expecting God to do in this year? Because once you write them down, God's going to start telling you what to do. And you're going to have to believe God enough to do it out of a conviction of hearing, even when you can't see it. Take your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. You, won't you won't always be able, be able to, see to see everything that God is doing. God is doing. Sometimes, Sometimes you, have to move you have to move just based on a word. Just based on a word. You got to move just based on a word. The Lord, the, the Lord says buy. The Lord says sell. The Lord says go. The Lord says stop. There is no logical justification for why you should do it other than the fact that God said it. When you begin to think about this, and you guys know the story in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says that the ark was 450 feet long, 150 feet wide, and 45 feet tall. It says it had three decks and hundreds of compartments to house every kind of creature. Now think about this. He did that without, in, without any kind of engineering background. In fact, that's the first boat ever built. Why? Because they hadn't needed boats before because it had never rained. The Bible says that the, the, the grass was watered underneath. There was no such thing as rain. Rain had never came down. The Bible says it took them between 80 and 100 years to build this boat. Do you know how many people laughed at him? I don't feel bad for Noah. You know who I feel bad for? His kids. <laughs> No, real talk. It's one thing for you to be crazy. Yeah. Right. But you got your kids out there. <laughs> because that's what happened. For 80 to 100 years, the Bible said it was him and his sons. They are out there building this art. People are like, no, they're like, they did it crazy. <laughs> Noah crazy. Got his kids out there. And I'm sure there were times they was like, man, daddy tripping. I got us out here building this thing. <laughs> And he, you know how kids talk when the parent over there be like, it don't make no sense, do it. <laughs> but you know what they was happy about? We didn't rain. <laughs> when the water started coming down, and they was like, oh, Lord, we so glad that it was crazy. <laughs> Folk may call you crazy when you believe God, but when you stick through it and then your blessings come, your family, your friends, everybody going to be so happy you chose to be crazy. Yeah. In fact, let's just go ahead and say this. Say, neighbor, neighbor I'm telling you now, I am willing to be crazy for what I believe. That's right. I am willing to be crazy for what I believe. Absolutely. The Bible says this. Let's look at James 2.18. James 2.18 says, show me your faith without your works. He says, and here's what I'll do. I'll show you my faith. How? By my works. So if you want to see my faith in 2018, check out what I'm doing. 
I believe obedience plays a key role in my blessing. Watch me show up to church on time. Watch me knock these next 51 weeks out. Every time y'all have church, watch me be on time. It may be 928, but watch me be on time. I believe that giving can get me out of poverty. Watch my giving increase. Watch my actions. Don't tell me about your faith. Let me see your faith. 2018 is going to be a year for you to demonstrate your faith. Listen, there was absolutely nothing upon which Noah could hinge his sense of security. It had never rained before. He didn't have a safety net for it. Other than the fact that he heard a word from God. Go to the next slide. I think it's the very next one, Caleb. Yes, look. When God gives you a word, you don't do it because you can understand it. And you don't do it because it's intelligent. You do it because you heard from God. If it's got to be intelligent and you got to understand it, it probably ain't God. And if it is God, it is God and you're operating in obedient faith, but not creative faith. Think about every Bible story you ever got from VBS. Or YPWW. Or BTU. Think about every story you ever learned. They didn't say it to you, but they were all examples of people using creative faith. They were believing for something that had never been done. They were believing for something they couldn't see. They were believing for something that on, 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 on the natural seemed illogical. But they were believing God, and as a result, they had a testimony. Think about the woman who dared go out and touch the, the hem of Jesus' garment. It made absolutely no sense for her to be in the midst of that crowd. She wasn't even supposed to be in the city. She knew that for, for doing that, she, she touched a rabbi. She wasn't supposed to touch anybody, but certainly not a rabbi. She touched Jesus. Some people miss this. It says she pushed her way through. How do you push your way through without touching other people? <laughs> so she was violating when she got started. Right. Then she grabs the hem of Jesus' garment. And when it says the hem of his garment, it ain't talking about way down here. It's talking about the tassel that was on his prayer shawl. So she reached out and grabbed the hem of his prayer shawl. Why? Because she got a word that says, if I can but touch. She like, man, move. Move. Get out the way. She was like, I'm about to be blessed. And I don't care how illogical it sounds. I don't care how crazy it is. I am not going to let something stop me. Today is my day. I'm going to get healed or I'm going to die. 80 to 100 years. 80 to 100. If we ask the Lord to heal us or get us out of debt and it don't happen in 90 days, we like, I need, I need my money back. I sold a seed. I need my money. It didn't work. I need my money back. 90 days. <laughs> we don't have. If we, if we had a tenth of the staying power of the people. That, and here's what I don't get. These people didn't have the Holy Ghost. 
We say we do. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, we say we do. But yet we can't hold on for 30 days, for 60 days, for 90 days. You want to know how long somebody got to hold on? Get sick. Mm-hmm. You will see how everybody in your how much stick to it is they got. Because folk will come see you that first week. They sit with you, talk with you, bring you some flowers, talk to you, pray up, all over you. <laughs> all of that. All of that. That first week, that first week, they, they Kawasaki Honda all over you. <laughs> that second week, they're going to come see you about two, three times. That third week, they're going to call somebody, how's she doing? <laughs> that fourth week, they like, you know, just, sometimes you just got to accept, be the Lord will. No, that's just four weeks. That six week, they like, did she ever say what she wanted for the who to sing at a funeral? We know a pastor who was praying for a woman while he was writing a eulogy. He went and saw her. He prayed for her and wrote her eulogy. She died. I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm saying (laughs) (laughs) he was a pastor. I'm saying to you, you can't be double-minded. You can't be praying that somebody be healed and preparing for their funeral. You got to have creative faith says, Lord, what do you say about it, Lord? Think about David. I love David. The Bible says that David and his men came back from battle. And when they came back from battle, it says that the, the, the people had came to Ziklag. They had burned the town down, took his wives, all their wives, and all their children, and was gone. The people was distraught. They was like, we've been out here. And some of us do the Lord like that. We were like, we've been out here serving you, David. we killing people for you. I got wounds for you, David. <laughs> you know people mad when they keep saying your name over and over. <laughs> we went to war for you, David. We was hungry. We we even asked for no food, David. <laughs> now our wife and kids gone. It's like you know what? We are gonna kill David. <laughs> David said, "I gotta do something." The Bible says he went and he put on his ephod and he went to the Lord. He said, "Lord, shall I pursue them?" The Lord says, "Yes, and you shall utterly overtake them." Yes. He says, "You shall utterly overtake them." And then, based on that word, he pursued. He overtook them, got the wife and kids back. He didn't get stoned by his men, and they got all the spoils they had taken. Why? Because it was based on a word. Based on a word. Same thing with Sarah. We won't go through all that, but the same thing with Sarah. We understand that Sarah uh, was a little girl, and, 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 and the Holy Spirit came to her and said, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, I ain't no no man. You tripping. You got the you got, you got, you got, I mean, Mary, Mary. You got, you got, the, wrong, you got the wrong one. You, you got the wrong one. I, I, can't have, I can't have a baby. But then you know what she said? Be it unto me. What? According to that word. We see it with Sarah and Abraham. The Bible says they was old. They was old. They was old. She was being, her, her eggs were scrambled. They were gone. She wasn't having no more kids. 
The Bible, if you read the Bible, it describes Abraham. It said his body, in that department, it said his body was dead. It was a corpse, a.k.a. his soldier didn't salute anymore. They could not do anything. They was done. But the Lord says, no, you're going to have a child. And guess what? Not only did they produce a child. Now, the first one, they didn't. Sometimes you can sometimes you can try to help the Lord. And you make a mess. Do you know they still fighting over there now for that very same reason? Ishmael and Isaac. They, 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 that, those fashions still don't get along. When the Lord gives you a word, be careful that you don't try to get ahead of him. Because if the Lord could repair Abraham's body to do what he did with his handmaiden, he could have repaired it to do what he did with Sarah. But they tried to figure it out. But the Bible says that they finally got it right and they have Isaac. And out of Isaac came all the tribes of Judah. And out of that, we get Jesus. Out of Jesus, guess what? We get saved. Yes. Hallelujah. Off of a creative word. So it's important that you understand that. This word, there's a, there's a word, uh, I don't know if, uh, keep going, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Sarah later. Uh, here's what I want to give you. When we begin to talk about um, how it is that, um, that, that faith, that creative faith works. Um, when people hear a word from God and believe it, they have to do so in spite of natural circumstances. You, there are times the Lord will say something to you, it does not line up at all, at all, with what it is that's going on in your natural life. Like the Lord may say to you, I'm going to get you out of debt. You're thinking, man, I have been in debt for so long. How is that ever going to happen? I don't make but $30,000 a year. How the Lord going to get me out of $100,000 worth of debt? The reality of it is you have to force yourself to believe God even in the face of natural circumstances. Believing is a choice. I wish I, wish I could. It's one of the things that I would, it don't matter how many times I read it, if I see a book about decision making, an article or something, I'm probably going to read it. Because there is nothing more powerful than making a decision. There is nothing more powerful than you deciding to do. You know you can decide right now to lose weight. You can just decide it. You don't have to wait till January 1. You don't have to be like, well, I fell off, so I'm going to wait till next January. No, you got 12, 11 months left still. You can just decide. You can just decide. And if you just decide, here's, here's what's going to happen. You'll get in this space where your faith will begin to work. How does your faith begin to work? Here are five things that happen when your faith begins to work. Number one, you, you, you hear a word from God. What did we say at the very beginning? Faith begins you've got to be able to hear from God. If you say, I can't hear from God, here's what I tell people all the time. Read your Bible. Amen. No, I'm serious. I'm not trying to be funny. Read your Bible. When I couldn't hear God, I just started reading his Bible. Why? Because, because his, I, know what, I know what the Bible says. So even when I couldn't hear God's voice, I, I started learning what was right and wrong in the kingdom based on what his word said. And then the more time you spend with God, the more attuned you come to hearing God. You, ladies, I know this is true. You ever be in a, in a place where there's a bunch of babies and you hear a baby cry and you go, oh, that ain't my baby. Or you hear the baby cry. And you, listen, I have been places where all the adults have been over here laughing and playing, and the kids was in the field, and somebody go, ah, 
and all the parents look like this, the only one of them jump up. Why? Because they recognize that cry belongs to my. Why? Because they spent so much time. So if you don't know the voice of God, you, I ain't beating you up. I'm just telling you, you ain't spent enough time. That's why if I say, I come from a big rich town. See, y'all know, some of y'all know what that is. What is that? Mm-hmm. You spent time. You spent time. Hey, now, how do I know it? I spent time. You, we know what we know based on we spend enough time with it. So I tell people all the time, I'm goofy. I love to have a good time. I love to laugh. I love to joke. But I don't neglect the word. When you don't see me laughing and joking, I'm studying. I'm reading something. Why? Because I like to have a good time, but I know how important the word is. So sometimes I have to tell people, look, I know I look silly. I know I play around a lot. I know I joke. I know I do stupid stuff. But I know my word. I, I, I know what the Lord is saying. I understand his context. I understand his kingdom. I have spent time with the Lord. That's why when I, know, when I, when I hear the Lord say, you're doing too much. Amen. See, yeah, see, for years, Pastor John was my Holy Ghost. <laughs> but I have learned to hear the Lord now. So there are times the Lord, I be, I be wanting to say something because it's funny. But everything that... He's like, don't do that. Don't flip. Don't, 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 don't. And somebody don't even say, I don't know how the Lord talked to you. Some people be like, the Lord just be like, oh, I love you. You're so beautiful. You're just the blessed of the earth. I just want to love on you. I'm like, that's cool, but God don't always talk to me like that. Sometimes be like, strict stop. And then somehow you don't say, he'd be like, when you develop a relationship with God, he stops talking to you in these heavenly tones. He talked to you like a father. He said, if you don't shut your mouth. He grit his teeth, too, when he talked. If you don't shut your mouth. I'm telling probably. So we got to hear a word from God. Number two, we have to act in obedience to that word. It's great to hear the word, but if you don't do anything with it, nothing's going to happen. Number three, whenever you act in faith, you got to be prepared for this. The Lord's going to ask you to give up something precious in order to follow that word. Every time God asks you to do something that's on the line of creative faith, he is going to ask you to give up something precious. Why? Because it has to make an exchange. If what you're asking for is precious, then the seed you give up got to be precious. Sometimes the Lord will say, you gotta, you, you gotta give up being right in order to get happy. Hmm. Being right's a seed. I give up my right to be right in order to get happiness. Yeah. So when I want to say something and I want to be right, sometimes he say, close your mouth. Amen. Don't say anything. Now is not the time. Now you got a choice. Do you want to be right and keep that precious thing, or do you want happy and get that precious thing? Yeah. Number four. That you have to trust God for your future, even when it makes no sense. So God's going to ask you to give up something precious, and because you give up something precious, now you're vulnerable. Yes, yes. I remember years ago, the Lord asked me to give up anger. Listen, I did not want to give up anger. Anger had protected me since I was seven years old. 
I'm not, I'm not joking with you. I'm not talking about like mad. I mean, I mean rage. Rage had protected me from the age of seven. So when God said I needed to give it up in order to have a successful marriage, I didn't know which one I wanted. Because I, I, I didn't know what she was going to do. I knew, I knew that rage, when it showed up, always produced what I wanted. It always got people off of me, and it always got me what I wanted. I could fly into such a rage that my face would contort, and people would leave me alone. Pastor said, you're a little crazy. Maybe so. But it worked for me from the age of seven till I was 25 years old. And the Lord said, you cannot be married successfully unless you give up rage. You give up rage, I will give you joy. Both of them were precious. Some of you right now, the Lord's telling you some stuff you got to give up in 2018, and now you're like, it's time to go, Pastor. <laughs> it's time to go. That's the other thing I used to do. At ALCF, I didn't care how long I preached. I preached till I thought you got it. And the truth of the matter is, I used to say this all the time. You're going to go see Black Panther. It's going to be three and a half hours long. You're going to squeeze your bladder, and you ain't going to miss a single episode. A, 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 not a screenshot or nothing. So you got 10 more minutes. Number five. <laughs> you have to believe in the God of the miraculous. You have to believe that God is not a God who just do the average. Anybody can pay your rent. God can do so much more than pay your rent. God can do so much more than that. Dream big in 2018. Declare right now and for the rest of the year, I am going to believe for things I have been afraid to believe for. Write them on a piece of paper. Stick it beside. It ain't got to be fancy. Sometimes people get caught up in the process. They want to, you know, do a whole vision board. Just do a piece of paper. Yeah. Write it on a napkin at lunch. Whenever it hits you, just write it down. What do you want? What are you hoping for? What do you have a desire for? What do you have an expectation for to see happen this year? And it don't have to be December. Come on. Pastor was laughing at me the other day. She said, uh, she said, you're looking for another job, ain't you? <laughs> now, I got this new rule that I'm trying not to lie. <laughs> Listen, I just keep it real. The fact of the matter is, you ask yourself, how many times you lie a day? You at least, you be lying. You be lying. It may be small stuff, but you be lying. So I'm trying not to lie. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, when somebody asks me something, I don't want to hurt their feelings. How do I say it so that it's truthful? Because Pastor Sean said to me that deceit was also a lie. So I'm trying to figure out how to navigate this space. So when she says strict, do you like my wig? Didn't lie. I was working on it. I didn't working on it. I, I, I wasn't nice either. So now I'm working on how to be nice and not lie. So that's my next thing. 
So you gotta believe God. So these things right here, you gotta know. You know what? I gotta get a word from the Lord. I have to act on that word. I gotta know before he ever asks me, I might have to give up something precious. If God wants me to do something big, he gonna ask me for something big. It's called seed time and harvest. And then I got to trust God. Remember those five things we talked about? I got to trust God that even though I can't see what he's going to do for me in the future, I know he's going to do it. Why? Because he is a creative God. And he can do it for me. This is what happens when you live in a realm which defies our reason, insults our our intelligence, and removes our platforms of man-made security. We have a lot of man-made security. What do we tell our kids? We tell our kids, go to school. Make good grades, get a good job. I mean, no good jobs don't, don't mean you're going to have a good life. Because number one, jobs go away. Sometimes we steer people into fields of, of something they shouldn't even be doing. You want your kid to be an accountant, they really want to be a construction worker. And, and let me just parenthetically insert this. Stop pushing your kids to college if that's not their desire. We live in a different dispensation than when we went to school. I got a homeboy who we laughed at because he didn't go to college because he wanted to be a plumber. He made $600,000 last year in a plumbing company in Conway, Arkansas. Like, if I lose a job, I'm calling Chris. (laughs) So if your kid has a desire to do that, encourage them. Let them do that. Listen, this type of faith is not... uh, Creative faith is, is, is not faith. I wrote this down. It's not the kind of faith that's not, digging, that's not digging diamonds out of rocks. It's hearing God say, I placed the diamonds on your doorstep. <laughs> Creative faith, it's not, it's not you having to go dig for diamonds and, and bang the rocks to get the diamonds. Creative faith is when God says, I'm going to put the diamonds on your doorstep. Come on. Come on. Here's what I need you to do in order for me to put the diamonds on your doorstep. I need you to ask me. Lord, put some diamonds on my doorstep. I need you to be wild enough to just ask me for it. Creative faith is, 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 is when God says, hey, I, I'm going to have you to make some butter, but we ain't even going to have no milk to do it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what he did for the Hebrew boys. They had to make, they had to make brick, but Pharaoh took their straw away, but they still made brick. Why? Because God don't need resources because he is the source. source. Y'all preaching now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I can finish up. Now y'all preaching. Listen, I want to give you these five things. There are five faith expectations. When you are in faith, there are five things you can always trust and believe God for. Pastor Sean and I have taught this for years. I was like, I'm going back to what we used to do. I'm going back to teaching it. I'm going to say it over and over again. Caleb, there's a thing that says five faith expectations, one through five. Five faith expectations, one through five. And I want you to see these five faith expectations because when you are in faith, these are the five things, next slide, that you can ask God for. Number one, you can ask God for a plan or you can believe God for a plan of action. When you are in faith, God will always give you a plan of action. What is the plan of action? It's an organized program of measures to be taken in order to achieve a desired goal. God is not random. Tell your neighbor, say, God God is not not random. random. God is not random. God will give you a plan of action. Number two, God will give you wisdom. 
Why? Because you need to have wisdom. What is wisdom? It is the correct application of knowledge. It's not just a bunch of details. It is the correct application of those details. God will give you a plan of action, and then he will give you wisdom to carry out that plan of action. It is the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Sometimes you'll get ready to do something and it makes sense, but it's just that good judgment to do it. What do I mean? Sometimes you need to tell a friend something, but you don't need to tell a friend in front of everybody else. That's exercising good judgment. What you have to say is true. What you have to say needs to be said. It doesn't need to be said in front of everybody. So God will give you a plan of action, then he'll give you wisdom. Number three, God will give you favor. Somebody shout favor. What is favor? It's approval. It's support. It is to have a preferential treatment. It's an act of kindness beyond what is natural, usual, or due to you. So when you get a plan of action and you get wisdom and you start to follow it, God will strategically start placing people in your life to give you favor. My best example of favor, I use it all the time. Let's say that you got $500 and your light bill costs $100. It's a Friday before a three-day weekend. You run down to the office because you forgot to pay your light bill. You know if you don't pay the light bill before 5 o'clock on Friday, they're going to cut your lights off. You ain't going to have no lights on Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday night, or Monday, and then they're going to get out there till Tuesday. So you run down there with your $500, and when you get there, the lady has just locked the door. Now, you got the money. You like this at the door. They like. What do you need in that spot? You don't need money. You need favor. You need somebody who's going to be kind enough to open that door, reopen that register, and help you pay your bill so that you don't spend an extra day without no lights. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, favor will get for you what money can't buy. You better know it. You better know it. And when you are in faith, you have an expectation that favor will follow. You get a plan of action. You get wisdom. You get favor. Number four, you can expect God for a miracle. Now, you can't predict them, but you can always be in expectation of one. Tell your neighbor, say, God still produces miracles. I'm going to put all this up in the group. Some of y'all writing feverishly. Y'all don't have to do that. Y'all was on time, remember? Y'all was on time. <laughs> I put all of this up in the group, all the notes. But number four is a miracle. What is a miracle? It is a surprising and welcome event that is not, that is not uh, by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work, watch this, of a divine agency. A highly improbable or extraordinary event development or accomplishment that brings very welcome consequences. I can always expect a miracle. Sometimes you can only go as faith, you only can, not sometimes, you can only go as far as your faith can take you. So when you're you're in faith, remember, you're going to hear from the Lord, remember, because faith begins what? Where the will of God is known. Then you're going to act upon that Knowing full well that before you act, what God's going to ask you to do is to give up something precious for what you're going to receive. You don't mind doing that because, number four, you trust God. And then, number five, you know that he is a creator, and so, therefore, it's easy to trust him for your future. 
So once you're in this space of trust, now you're in faith. When you're in faith, you can go, okay, God, I've done what you said. I know there's going to be a plan of action. What's the plan of action? Okay, now that I got this plan of action, I don't want to be like Abraham and get ahead of you. What's your wisdom you want me to do? How do you want me to employ it? Then number three, you go, okay, now, Lord, whoever I need to encounter to get this done, you put them in my life. I pray that when I go interview. I say, Lord, anybody at that interview who wasn't going to like me, I don't know what you got to do, but don't let them be there today. Now, I used to pray, let them be sick, Lord, but I don't do that no more. Good job. Hey, I'm trying to help you. I have evolved. Listen, this is a funny story. I'm going to say this while you're writing it down and doing whatever you're doing. I'm a very literal person, so I don't fault Jordan for being very literal. So I didn't grow up in the Church of God in Christ. I grew up in the Baptist Church, and I went occasionally, mostly to vacation Bible school when they had some fun events. So I didn't have a lot of Jesus in me at all, to be perfectly honest. So when I went to the Church of God in Christ, it went from like being like no church to like everyday church. And so the first time they said I got saved, and they was teaching, and they talked about the fact that when the devil does something, you have to curse the devil. You know, C-U-R-S-E-D, cursed. You got to curse the devil. Well, I I thought they meant (laughs) C-U-S-S. I was sincere. You hear me? I cussed that devil out. I'm the idea. I ran back. I gave him every cuss word I knew. (laughs) Wisdom. Wisdom. The correct. Application of knowledge. I sure did. Sister King said, no, 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 no. She was so sweet. She said, no, 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 baby, no, baby. That that ain't what we mean. (laughs) Listen, the devil ain't never been cussed like that again. Number five. Let's finish up. Number five. Once you have a plan of action, once you have wisdom, once you're in expectation for favor, once what, what, uh, the number five, you gotta have strength to endure until change comes. Okay, I'm believing God for a miracle, but even if a miracle don't show up, I ain't quitting on God. Strength to endure until change comes. It means to be admirably purposeful, to be determined and unwavering. I have in my notes, it means to be purposeful, resolved, to be firm, to be steadfast, to be unflattering, to be unhesitating, to be persistent, to have gusto. In other words, don't be no punk. You got to have the strength to endure until change comes. That means God said he's going to get me out of debt. If it takes him six years, every day of those six years, I'm saying I'm out of debt. My needs are met. I got plenty more to put in store. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. When you stop saying it is when you stop believing it. Listen, no matter how hard it gets, see it through. See it through. No matter how hard it gets, see it through. Why? Because if you quit early, God, you never know how close you could be. In fact, there's a famous poem by a gentleman by the name of Edgar Albert Guest. He talks about what you got to do to see it through. Some of you have never been purposeful enough to see something to the end without just changing it. Here's what I mean. You want A to happen, but because it's so tough to get to A, you then change and say, well, I'll just take B. And you think because you got to B, you saw it through. You didn't. You just made a detour. 
It's like saying I want to go to Little Rock and I get to Conway and go, oh, well, I can't get that far. Conway, cool. That ain't where you was headed. Seeing it through means you don't stop no matter what. Rich, you might be able to help me out with this one. Here's what it says. It says, when you're up against a trouble, meet it squarely face to face. Lift your chin and set your shoulders, plant your feet and take a brace. When it's vain to try to dodge it, do the best that you can do. You may fail, but you may conquer. See it through. It says, black may be the clouds about you and your future may seem grim, but don't let your nerve desert you. Keep yourself in fighting trim. If the worst is bound to happen, in spite of all that you can do, run from it will not help you. You might as well see it through. Even hope may seem but futile when with troubles you're beset, but remember you're just facing just what other men have met. You may fail, but foster fighting. Don't give up wherever you do. Eyes front, head high to the finish. See it through. Don't give up. Don't quit. That's what, that's what a champion is about. When Edgar wrote that, I don't know who he was writing it to, but I'm telling you, it's a thing that says, you know what? He says, if running from it ain't going to help you, why run? Come on. I'm wrong. Listen, I, that's been in me. If a dog chased me, I ain't running. I'm not running for no dog. My wife thinks, she, and she'll tell you, sometimes she even says, she had to, to watch herself using her word. She says, streak you crazy. I'm not running for no dog. If a dog chases me, me and the dog finna scrap. I, I can't outrun a dog. No matter how far, his endurance is more than mine. He's faster than me. So I'm. If we go fight, I'm not going to fight while I'm tired. Because if I run from the dog, at some point, he's going to keep. I'm running toward the dog. Me and the dog are going to fight. If, you, if, if running from the problem ain't going to fix it, just face the problem. Raise your chin up. Keep your eyes straight. See it through. Look at, go, go to James. We're done. James 1 and 8 in the voice translation. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. See, it see it through. Tell your other neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. See, it see it through. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Don't, quit. Don't, quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Man, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. We, we have a thing in our household. If you start an activity in our house, I don't care how much you hate it. You, you might not have to play next season, but you're going to finish this one. <laughs> If you go to one practice, you're going to finish this one. You, you're going to finish. Now, next year, we can decide whether that's a sport you like, an activity you like, but it ain't even about the money. I don't care if it's free. If you start it, you're going to finish it. If you get in the habit of quitting stuff, it'll become your legacy. And if it becomes your legacy, you'll pass a legacy of quitting on to your kids. Telling you, I used to talk to tell because you know, and, and I realized that college is, is different for different people and stuff. But I'll be like to help think about the classes you're going to take. Is this going to be something you can take with the athletic schedule that you have? Because what you cannot do is get in the middle of this class and then think you're going to quit. Now, I know they got drop dead days and all that stuff, and that's fine, but you're still putting yourself further behind every time you do that. If you ain't got but 15 hours and you drop three, now you got 12, that, that semester's kind of shot. Because now you're looking at daddy to pay for summer school. So your quitting affect me. Go to James. I think it's James. Do I not have with James? I'm sorry. I mean, I mean Joshua. Thank you for not putting that up there since I said James. Joshua, 1 and 8. 
Notice what it says. It says, let the words from the book of the law be what? Always on your lips. Meditate on them. When? Day and night. Why? So that you may be what? Careful to live by all that is written therein. He says, think about it so you don't let anything slip. Read his, his word. Think about his promises. Think about what trust means. Think about those five faith expectations. Think about it. God's going to ask me to do something. And I got to be prepared because he's going to be pretty good. He's going to ask me to give up something precious now. I know it's coming because any time a, a, a word from the Lord comes, I'm going to have to act on it. But I'm not going to trip about it because God is so good. He's such a creative God. I know he got my future because he loves me. He wants to help me. He will help me. He says, if you do it, as you make your way through this world, as you go from job to job, from season to season, life to life, he says, you will always prosper and always find what? That's the key to manifestation. This is our key to having a great year of victory. This is why we can declare that this year, 2018, is filled with hope and promises. How many of you believe? I mean, I'm serious. I mean, you, ain't just, you ain't just faking it with me. You know 2018 is going to be a great year. Yes. Y'all know, know 2018 is going to be a great yes. year? Yes. Somebody going to get to the end of 2018 and talk about how bad it was. Won't be me. Won't be my testimony. Won't be my testimony. I'm telling you, I'm, I am going to encourage you and say the things to you that I said to so many of them people like Chris and Ralph and Tamara and all them when they were kids in college. I remember I, Ralph and I was talking last night on group meeting and I was talking to, about, you know, some different things. And one of, one of the things that I remember so vividly happening is like when him and, him and uh, April got ready to get married, he was like, we ain't going to buy nothing for our house. He's like, the Lord going to give us a house and we ain't going to buy. We believe God going to give us everything we need for our house. Man, they got new washing dryers. They got new couches. I mean, they just got all kind of stuff. Now, why did that happen? Because people like them? Okay, yeah. But it started because he said it. Yeah. People like you too. Yeah. You just ain't saying nothing. Start saying I'm going to get a new job this year. Start saying I'm going to go to school this year. Start saying I'm going to save more money than I ever saved before this year. Start saying I'm going to start to invest more. Start saying I'm going to go on vacation more. Here's one of the things I'm working on for 2018. I'm working on not being offended with people. Because I got that quick to cut you off spirit. You know, people, people don't even know. Because I don't have to have no confrontation with you. You'd be like, who? Who was that? Oh, yeah, I do remember them. So, so I'm working on it. But what are you working on for 2018? Yes. Now, I know that in order for that to happen, God's going to ask me for something. Yeah. I already know what he's going to ask me for. Forgiveness. He's going to be like, all right, you say you don't want to be offended. Ooh, I got somebody for you. <laughs> That's how he does. He's like, I got something for you. Here they go. Remember that person seven years ago? They back. <laughs> You're like, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. But then you get to see. 
You get to judge for yourself. Amen. Amen.